Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this midweek edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you haven't already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Palmer Homer podcast. We will call it as we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. And for everyone else, let's get rolling. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the Tampa Bay Rays, winning all three games in a clean sweep. They are now one game out of first place in the American League East. News out of Fenway, Eduardo Rodriguez will make his long-awaited return to the mound on Thursday after dealing with some arm fatigue late in camp. The 28-year-old lefty has not pitched in an MLB game since 2019 and is in the final year of his Red Sox deal. Tanner Houck has been optioned to the alternate site as part of the corresponding move. News from around the league, Oakland closer Trevor Rosenthal is reportedly considering thoracic outlet surgery on his shoulder and could miss as many as 12 weeks. Speaking of Oakland, they are finally in the win column with a walk-off win against the Dodgers. That makes them 1-6 on the season. Former Red Sox MVP Mookie Betts is out of the Dodgers lineup until at least Friday due to lower back stiffness. This comes two days after Padre superstar Fernando Tatis Jr. suffered a subluxation of his left shoulder. Tatis will not require surgery and is expected to miss at least a few weeks. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. Co-hosting with me tonight from the mile-high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, is Andrew Dwan. Andrew, how are you? What's going on? If any listeners out here can get me home run derby tickets for July, let me know. I live just a couple, you know, 15 minutes from the ballpark, so I am in the market and willing to pay. (laughs) Well, maybe there's at least a 1% chance somebody can hook you up. Uh, That's better than zero. Also joining us tonight, originally from Newport, Rhode Island, coming to us from the nation's capital, Job Goddard. Job, how are you? I'm doing better by the minute, Terry. Looks like the Yankees might lose this one in extras, and the Sox went three and zero. We get the fun show this week. I'm excited. Will that tie us? If yeah, don't bother looking it up. We're at least a game uh, too behind. Too early to or, look. Yeah, we're going to be at least no more than one game out, possibly tied. But yeah, much better week. Uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday anyway, because I wasn't too optimistic playing Tampa. They they were pretty. Uh, firing on all cylinders against the Marlins. 
But uh, actually, before we move on, because I'm new to it and I, I don't want to keep forgetting every time, Andrew, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, that's going to be at Andrew Dwan MLB. That's D W A N. All one word. And Job, uh, where can they find you? Uh, the people can find all my Red Sox content at Job MLB. It's just J O B M L B. Keep it simple. Very good. So we will. People are going to be sending you job applications for like league positions. You need to know that. Shoot right? me. Like MLB if jobs. There... Here we go. <laughs> if, if they're any good, I promise to take your name off the application, put mine on, and send it in. <laughs> so don't worry about it. You're, someone will be reading your accomplishments, if not your uh, your name and resume. I just put MLB in my name because I just want it to be at first glance associated as a baseball account. You know, so that's the only reason I'm in there. I could have a corny name like Terry Loves Baseball or something, but I just rather keep it less corny. But getting right into the swing of things, we're getting into the studs and dud segment. If you are new to the show, each one of us has a stud for the Tampa Bay series. We'll go through that, and then we'll go through our duds for the series. Going to be kind of complicated because we didn't lose a game. We had the opposite problem the last show after losing all of those games. But uh, uh, getting right into it, Andrew, you are in the leadoff position. Uh, Go ahead. Who is your stud for the series? All right. So there were some obvious ones, and I didn't want to go with it. Um, I went with Franchi Cordero. I have loved everything I've seen out of him. The most encouraging thing so far is how he's owning the strike zone. He's making contact pretty much in every at bat it's been great to see and you know he the other night he gave us a lead for the first time all season and then um yesterday when the game is on the line he makes a ridiculous catch in left field against the wall which a lot of guys don't know how to play that wall that well and he's i think only played or started in left field twice now he comes in he does that creates a double play where you know, Hero needed that help because we're getting late. His command was a little bit spotty, and he got it. You know, a couple of hard balls hit off of him. And then again, he comes in today, pinch hits, ropes a 106 mile an hour single, just cold off the bench. He's been as advertised, if not better. And I am so happy that we uh, made that move. Joe, thoughts on Cordero? Well, you know, I really like the move more and more by the day. Andrew's been high on it the whole time. I wasn't, um, but I've been super pleased with his glove. I mean, Andrew mentioned the catch, the one that we're all talking about, is going to be the one up against the monster. He hasn't made any errors out there in left field. Uh, he misplayed one ball that Alex Verdugo had to play off the bounce and play in. But other than that, he's been very good um, playing the monster. And that, that's tough to do, you know, know how much room you have before you get to the wall. And then also, if that ball gets over your head, it's an automatic double at Fenway. And if it bounces away, it's a triple. So he's the learning curve is steep, and he's climbing it. So I'm loving it so far. He was on my list for, for stud this week. I'm glad Andrew picked him so we get to discuss it. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize he had as good of a week as he did until I was filling out my score sheet here. But he did have a hit in every game. And uh, only struck out a couple of times, which is good because that's something he's prone to do. 
And that was a pretty impressive catch at the wall. I hadn't really seen much of him in, in spring training. I only saw a limited number of games. So, you know, this was my first real glimpse at him. And he's a big, rugged dude. And I was trying to come up with a comparison for, for someone of his body type. And I just can't. I still can't do it. I mean, I'm thinking. Yeah, Rob really? Gronkowski. Edwin. Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, right? I mean, he's a tight end. This guy's a monster. And there really isn't a comparison in the big leagues that I could think of. You're right. Personally. No, he's 6'3", weighs a ton. And he has 70 speed. It's probably ticked down to like 65 now. But everyone... It's a, such a lazy comparison I've seen on Twitter, especially when they made the trade. They're like, oh, they got the next Willie Mopena. It's like, dude, this guy signed as a shortstop originally. <laughs> like, uh, so, yeah, he is not Willie Mopena. This, he is super athletic. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's a good fielder. He just needs to stay healthy. And you said you missed him in spring trading. It's it's not because he missed the games. He only got 18 at-bats. Okay. He got there late. He dealt with COVID. And there was zero chance he was going to make the opening day roster. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, yeah, hit after hit after hit. And they're like, oh, my God, his timing isn't off. <laughs> so it, it was awesome to see. And he really has put it together without any sort of spring, without knowing any of his teammates, really. It, it's remarkable to see how quick he transitioned here. Yeah, and I, I only saw mostly just the Sunday games, but – um, yeah, and I'm just trying to put his body type to someone else. Like, I, I was thinking, like, Encarnacion, maybe, but not really. And then, uh, you know, I was thinking maybe Puig, but again, not really. May, maybe you want to like Cruz. Or Cruz, you know, yeah. I think, may, That's I a think good more one. like a Nelson Cruz. Yeah. But he plays better defense than Nelson Cruz does. <laughs> um, I hope as, so. I mean, even the Nelson Cruz in his prime. Nelson Cruz now 40, obviously a full-time DH, but... That's the body type that comes to mind for me, and that's still not even a perfect comp because he moves much faster than yeah. he ever did. And the other thing, too, is seeing him interact with his teammates a little bit, you can tell he's got a really, uh, I don't know, really likable demeanor to him. So hopefully you know, he continues to, to materialize there. Um, I'm guessing, though, and Andrew, this is probably better suited for you. He's got to be primarily a left fielder, I would think. He's probably going to be the one guy who just doesn't really move much. I mean, I don't think they want to move him around because it's they don't really need to. I think he could if he if they wanted to, though. If it was a simpler right field, they could throw him out there. But right now, Renfro has been amazing in the field uh, wherever he's been. Cannon arm, making diving catches. Um, yeah, I don't think you have to mess around with it, but he's definitely got the arm to play out there, and he can cover the ground if they need uh, need him to. Yeah, very good. And he came over in the Ben Benintendi deal. He did. Yeah, and Benintendi has twelve more at bats and only one more hit than Franchi so far. So, and an error. So, if you're looking at how we're making out in that trade, I don't know any of the prospects. Andrew, you know, you're the go-to guy for the prospects in that deal. But I'm taking Franchi Cordero over Andrew Benintendi for the first six games. I mean, the craziest thing is we don't even know the prospects because they're to be named in about a month and a half or so. Uh, and there's three of them coming. The best one's probably coming from the Mets since we gave them uh, the outfielder, Lee, from the Royals, who uh, I can't think of the – was it 
Jared, not Jared Porter. Is that who's the GM now over there? They used uh, to be with the Red Sox. You know, for I couldn't tell you yeah, because Jared yeah, Porter was, was there for it, a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, it was him. Yeah, whoever, whoever replaced him. Um. So yeah, uh, we have three more prospects coming. We got the best one coming from the Mets, like I said. And if you don't mind me going on this now, uh, I was just going through all of Hein Bloom's trades lately, and they're great. We have this Franchi Cordero trade, which is right now we can call it a win. Winkowski looked great in spring training. Ben Benintendi looks absolutely lost. His swing and strike rate is just going through the roof at this point. He made a huge error in his first attempt in left field this, uh, this season, led to three runs. Um, we saw another trade that Blue made come to fruition two nights ago when Chris Mazza came in. For the Rays, who everyone says they don't lose trades, they lost this trade. Chris Mazza gave up six runs, which uh, padded the lead for the Red Sox. The Red Sox needed that win. That was huge. We saw Jeffrey Springs come in, let up a crucial run in extra innings. High Bloom won that trade just by getting two wins right there. And we got back our best organizational prospect catcher uh, in Hernandez. So everything is working out at this point. It's kind of remarkable. He is three for three because I'm about to go into really quickly. The only one that you can maybe criticize because I know fans love him was the Mookie Betts one. But if you look at it, he got the best package that anyone's got for any sort of superstar player. You had the Cleveland Indians give up Francisco Lindor, who still had the same amount of um, time left on his contract that Mookie did. They got nothing. They got their um, organizational ninth best prospect left uh, in that deal. That's that's an absolute loss. They gave up Jimenez, who peaked at 60th on the prospect sheets throughout baseball. He's whatever. He's just a guy. You had the Rays trade Blake Snell. He had three years of cheap team control left. So you think that package is going to be huge, but it really wasn't. They got Luis Patino back, who was the headliner, and he's the 18th best prospect in baseball. But that was about it. Colt Wilcox and Blake Hunt are really going to have to hit um, to make that worth it. I, It could be great, but you still got a former Cy Young winner for, you know, one really good piece back. Then one that's near me, you have Nolan Arenado, who is probably the best comp to Mookie Betts. You know, perennial gold glover has won the platinum glove. He's a four-time silver slugger, and he's never finished worse than eighth in MVP voting. And the Rockies are paying the Cardinals $50 million of his salary. The Cardinals are literally paying $0 to employ Nolan Arenado this year. And they they got back nothing, literally nothing. Their best prospect that they got back has a uh, future value of a 40 grade, which is horrendous. That's actually worse than any player that Bloom got. The lowest player Bloom got was Connor Siebold so far with a 45 value. Um, Jeter Downs is a 55 future value. So the fact that he has done as much as he has with giving up as little other than bets has been remarkable. And I think people kind of have to give him a little bit of leeway here and just let him cook a little bit because the results so far have been impressive. And we have we haven't seen another team turn in their star players into anything near what – what he did. 
I think, though, with Betts, it was right before the pandemic. He was thought to have had two years left, you know, two full, you know, years with fans in attendance. So, I mean, the Lindor deal was really underwhelming, I think, because of a lot of the Mm -hmm. recent circumstances. But the Tampa one, though, with the two lower level guys there, Maza and Springs, is really puzzling. I just I I couldn't believe they did that. I was like waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole time. I was like, what did we give up? And it was like, oh my god, they gave up nothing. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, um, Joe, go ahead. Your uh stud for the series. Uh my stud for the series is, is gonna be Mr. Obvious for this, I think. Uh it's gonna be Christian Vasquez. He went two for four in the first game. One for four in the second game, um, and then two for four in the third game. But he batted in six runs in those games. He had the key home run late in game two to tie it up with some really manny antics right there. To throw it over the light tower and then dance around in the clubhouse was really awesome. I love to see the you know team having fun and then showing us a real compete factor, which I really thought they were lacking in the first three days. He came out and said, season starts tonight, went out, proved it. Um, and he also made some really key saves behind the plate on some Hauk sliders that, that could have given up some runs there in, in uh, extra innings. So I'm pretty happy with, with everything that he's doing behind the plate as far as calling games, uh, playing defense, but his offense is what's carrying him to this so far. Um, for me, the best part has been the leadership quality that he's showing, um, which I love, but he is, again, he's eight for 19 on the season with six RBIs and all those RBIs and hits are coming in these two games. Andrew thoughts on Vasquez. He's continued exactly what we saw last year. And I was like, is this a fluke? No, he's crushing. He's absolutely raking and he's saved their butts uh, when they've needed it the most that home run. The other night, jumped off the couch. That was amazing. And it wasn't like, oh, my God, is that going to make it out? No, is that going to make it onto the Mass Pike? (laughs) Exactly. Like, that's what it ended up being. That was remarkable. And then, you know, continues today. I'd love to see it. And he's kind of turning into one of the most important parts of this squad, which I was getting a a little antsy about because it seemed like they really couldn't get on the same page with the pitchers. During that Baltimore series, yeah, Garrett Richards shouting at him. And then they had that huge meeting, and it seemed like Garrett Richards was right because everyone was like, yeah, dude, like, what's going on? You saw him gesturing to the uh, to the dugout because they couldn't get the signal straight. And I was getting a little nervous, but, um, yeah, Vasquez is kind of working himself to a large deal next time he hits free agency because he's been, quite frankly, a great bargain for this team. I see. I'm never going to get comfortable with him as a catcher. You look at everyone's ERAs that have have pitched to him for a full season. They're all north of four, and I just can't get comfortable with that. But the the offense is mesmerizing. Even today's home run, it was a missile right off the bat. You knew it right away. It didn't have the arc that the one from last night had, but. But you just knew it, and he's able to barrel them up. And I think, what was it? Even in 2019, he had – that was probably his breakout year up until that point in his career. And, 
you're starting to think, okay, he's a he's a top five catcher now. And after last year, I'm like, all right, well, you know, he's probably a top three catcher. And now I'm like, probably only Real Muto is better at this point offensively. Maybe you guys can you think know, of I someone. Think there's but... a decent, I think there's a decent chance that he might pass Real Muto by the time he hits free agency. He continues to get better and better, and you haven't seen that from Real Muto. I mean, he's been consistent, but you haven't seen growth there. So I would expect probably him to set the tone for, for contracts come his contract time. He's going to get the biggest contract for catchers on the market. You think so? Uh, he could. I think so. I mean, Real Moto got what? Uh, 120. You got a lot of money. Uh, I just can't see a team committing that much to Vasquez. I don't I, there's, I don't, there's, I have a mental block with that. I just can't see it happening. I hope it does for his sake. And I mean, not to be a dick, but I kind of hope it's not here. If it's going to be a large deal, uh, I just I, I hate the idea of paying catchers a ton of money when they're um, turning thirty and above. Yeah, he is turning. Uh, he is thirty now, so he'll be thirty-one into his <laughs> free agency season, which I think is a year older than uh, Real Muto. I'm just trying to pull up uh, Jason Veritex numbers to to look at where they might have been at similar points in their career. And uh, actually it does, yeah, Veritek was a little bit better of a of a power hitter by his... Well, uh, he was a much better catcher. Yeah, um, well, well, true, yeah. As well. He caught three um, no-hitters. And, and a vocal leader, which is what you're really seeing from, you know, from Veritek was, was the leadership. That's why he's the only captain that we've seen in Red Sox in a long time. Um, but if Vasquez can grow into that kind of leadership role, I wouldn't be surprised if someone gives him a lot of money because knowing that he can hit for power, uh, he's a pretty good average guy, even though he's slow. Um, and he'll be able to play first base in a transition there when he can no longer catch. And he might even be a more valuable first baseman than a catcher. So I could definitely see him getting a lot of money. He's been fantastic. And like I said, I mean, he went out on Twitter and took a lot of criticism for after getting swept by the Orioles saying, hey, look, the season starts tonight against the Rays. Like, we're, we're going to be better. If you say that and then you go one and two or you go and you get swept, like you might be done in Boston. The fans might laugh you out of the house. And instead, he went out and made sure, put the team on his back and made sure that that wasn't going to happen, especially late in games. So you really can't, you can't fault him for anything. And them having fun in, in the dugout, I think is is a big reason why this team could be likable. Andrew has me kind of excited for this season. Everybody else is down on them, myself included. But <laughs> if this team is likable, even if they only win 84 games, I'll tune in for most of them. And I think a lot of people will. I'd like to, I mean, if you're guaranteeing me right now that we're not going to make the playoffs, even if it is low to mid-80s wins, I, I'd like to at least see some of the younger guys to to make the second half interesting. But you know that that outside of pitching, I, I don't anticipate that'll happen. Yeah, actually, it does look like Veritek and Vasquez are pretty close offensively through their age thirty seasons. So, so it depends on how historic of a year this could be for Vasquez. And, but before we do move on, if he was in another system, there's a chance you could make him. A first baseman. You saw that with Napoli. 
I think Buster Posey might play a little bit of first base, if I'm not mistaken. But our system, does, yeah. we just got a hell of a log jam. You know, we're trying to see if Dahlbeck's going to pan out. And if he does, then we've got Casas to try to figure out. We got Devers, who may be short term, maybe long term. So there's just no, I just don't see a future in Boston for Christian Vasquez, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I don't think they're going to give up the capital for him. And a little bit of breaking news, the uh, Yankees just lost on a double play that ended up, ended with a runner getting thrown out at home Ugh. from right field. Do we know who the oh, runner that was? That was great. I can't, I can't make out who it was, okay. uh, but that is amazing. Oh, I'm so happy. Judge, <laughs> Same record, baby. Judge has uh, got some issues going on with his oblique, too, so. We'll see how that is. The old day-to-day Oh, there goes Jason's MVP. (laughs) Yeah. I keep sending him these scares, but Judge seems to get back in the lineup. So Wear and tear is pretty normal four days into the season, so. (laughs) Yeah, especially if you're 6'8". Oh, my God. All right, so my stud for the second show in a row, J.D. Martinez. And I don't remember if I said it on a show. I I know I did last show, but I said it previously before that. Maybe it was on the preview show. Maybe it was in our private uh, group chat. And I'm going to hammer it now more emphatically because we've won three games in a row. We're not – we're getting killed right now without Martinez's presence in the middle of that lineup because – if he's getting killed and striking out left and right, not getting on base, or he's further down in the lineup, who do you who do you put in his place? Bogart's endeavors have to go up, you know, closer to the top, and then who comes in 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 the four or five hole? Renfro, Vasquez, I guess. It, it's just it's a much different dynamic without JD Martinez hitting but he has been and it was like the flip of a switch because he looked terrible in spring training up until almost the very end and not only does he have a hit in all six games he's got an extra base hit in all six games just completely raking right now rifling the ball to all fields the the missile over a rosarena that was an opposite field hit and we haven't seen that with regularity since 2018, 2019. And, you know, thank goodness Rosarena couldn't apparently read the ball. Because if you remember in the first game, he made the catch of the year so far, a weekend, just that fully extended diving catch out towards the wall. And he had the best catch of the year and then the worst play of the year. And I think he botched a, a second one in there as well. I jinxed him because I said he, you know, he was better than anyone on the Red Sox. But so that, that that's probably I'm gonna take a little bit of credit for that. But Martinez we're so much better and so much more stable offensively with him hitting like a, a 3,100 guy and getting all those extra base hits. Well, you know, Terry, I agree with you. I think he's the MVP of the team so far, obviously. Um, and we did a show, there were two shows we did actually that were JD-centric in the last month. 
One was with Jason where we talked about what J.D. Martinez needs to do for this team. And one was where I said, without J.D. Martinez and a resurgence, this team goes nowhere. Um, I think that's proven to be true because there's no power throughout the rest of that lineup so far um, as far as gaps. He's the only guy to hit the gap so far. Uh, we saw some late tower power, obviously, from Vasquez, but he doesn't hit for average the way that we expect Martinez to. So without him, this team is, is probably, if not 1-5, in 0-6, oh you know, if you don't have his extra base hits in the mix. So I think he's a, a key feature. On, I hope that this team is competitive through July or else he's going to get dealt. So let's let's keep our fingers crossed that he continues to rake and this team continues to win. I think Bloom would love to deal him. <laughs> uh, exactly. That's I, what I'm, I'm scared about. I think so. Yeah, it's tough because it, only half the league would take him. Although I think he must have got through today uh, relatively unscathed. I only saw about five innings, but he was uh, out and left. I don't even think they – I'm trying to remember if they even hit a ball to left today. I know, exactly. <laughs> I swear to God, I don't even know if he got any fielding opportunities. Watch right. every pitch, and I don't remember him having to touch the ball uh, until Taylor came in, but I don't think he was in left at that point. Uh, yeah, Martinez absolutely killing it in 476 on this young season. He has six extra base hits, five of those are doubles, leading the league in total bases. I think um, he's probably about second in RBIs. I know Lau is just destroying it in Texas, so that's a that that's definitely one to be in to watch because that's another Tampa Bay trade that might be backfiring. Um, love love what he's doing, and I admittedly at the beginning of spring training, foolishly was a little nervous about him just because he wasn't catching up to the fastball last year. But then when he hit that home run, um, he never hits home runs in spring training, so we should have known he was going to get off to a quick start. And he's carrying us. That's what he's getting paid to do. And as he goes, the offense goes, at least until Devers and uh, Bogarts and Verdugo really start producing on an in-and-out basis. We're going to have to rely on him, and I think we can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's my, here's my concern there, right, is that right now you say only half the teams would trade for him, but for next season, and if he guarantees that he's going to opt in, which is, I know, a big, a big thing for him at 34, he might try to get one more big contract. If he's going to opt in, then by next season, you're probably going to have the universal DH with the new labor negotiations, right? So I think Heim Bloom can probably leverage that into a monster package for a team that thinks they're going to compete for the championship, which makes me nervous. I, if they're competitive, they're not going to move them. I, which even is why if I hope they're, they're Yeah, if they're within five games of a – Wild card spot that there's a zero chance they would uh, get rid of him. Yeah, and he could very well opt out, like like you said, Job. That's it's really tough to to read the market right now, and and with the the labor agreement approaching us and a possible partial stoppage, I would say at the very least, um, it's tough to really know how him and Scott Boris will. Uh, approach the opt-out in his deal. So uh, getting into some honorable mentions, Alex Verdugo finally started swinging the bat. He was three for eight. Had a very clutch hit-by-pitch, though, 
and extra innings to to get on base. Yeah, that wagon, <laughs> that wagon really helped us out there. Yeah, so uh, maybe that's going to be a spark for for him. Xander Bogarts very sneakily was eight for twelve. He had he does it really? He, that's what my math says. He was four for five Jesus. in game one, one for four in game two, which was kind of ugly because yeah, okay. he, he struck out three times, and then he was three for three today, I think, with a walk. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. and three uh, three. He, he got pinch hit for today to sit down and take a rest. Oh, true. That's, yeah, Cordero but came Frankie, in, so. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah and um, and then let's see. Um, I didn't write it down. Dahlbeck. Had two hits today, first two of the year. So hopefully, like Verdugo, that uh, you know provides a spark, and maybe he'll start uh, producing more regularly. As far as pitching goes, we were pretty solid all the way through the uh, series. Pavetta a little shaky, but did what he had to do. Got us the first win of the season. Martin Perez, a lot of pressure facing Tyler Glass now. Still gave us five solid innings. Six strikeouts, kept them to three earned runs, which obviously kept us in the game. Uh, Nathan Avaldi today, seven innings, went the deepest of anyone so far. Yeah, absolutely. And seven strikeouts, which might be also a high so far, and uh, only three hits. And then finally, Matt Barnes just really looking extremely stout. And he's as confident as I've ever seen him look. Had to go two full innings uh, in game two last night. Didn't give up a hit. Didn't give up a walk. Struck out four guys. So And he only threw like 23 pitches or something really low yeah. for being that for effective. For six I mean, matters. for four yeah. strikeouts, he was dominant. Absolutely dominant. Yeah, That's not going three and two. That might have been his best game that he's pitched in Boston. I, I'm not. I don't have numbers to back that up. That's just pure instinct in my mind to see him that locked in. To me, that was like if you get that guy all year long, it's kind of like that feeling you used to get when Koji was around or Pavlova. It's like the game is eight innings. You know, you're only what you only he have said, to be leading yeah. after eight. So if he can be that guy all season long, we're going to be a whole different ball club, and I feel a lot better about this bullpen if it's Auto in the eight and Barnes in, that Barnes in the ninth. What he did last night, he came in and said, I am the guy in the ninth inning. Don't even mess around. This is my job. Sorry, Adivino. <laughs> Sorry, Cora. I'm making the decision for everyone here. He came in absolutely dominated. He's extra motivated in a contract season. He said he had talks of extensions, but they didn't really go far with the team. So this guy has – every bit of motivation going for him he's going to be bringing a couple miles an hour on every single pitch i i'm excited to watch it because if he can establish himself as a top seven closer in the al or in in the league that's a weapon especially since they want to bring Ottavino in with guys on base but if you can bring barnes in with two guys on with two outs in the eighth inning and have them pitch the eighth get that last out in the eighth and pitch the ninth that's a man. That's something we didn't weren't too sure we were going to have going into the air. I mean, his fastball control was was perfect. I mean, Pinkling. usually with Barnes, usually with Barnes, what you're worried about is the fastball, not the curveball. His curveball is usually pretty good. He doesn't usually hang them. If he misses, he misses down. 
Um, but his fastball has a tendency to get wild a little bit uh, and miss the strike zone. He was able to elevate over over bats, top of the strike zone, and then he he blew a couple of 96-mile-an-hour fastballs right by some of their best hitters. I think he struck out Randy Rosarina on a curveball and then two straight fastballs up in the zone, if I'm not mistaken. And to me, that was electrifying. That was like him walking off the mound. I think he honestly said, you know, I got this. Like, we're going to win because of me. And to me, like, that changes the whole game if you have a, a strong back of the bullpen. The Yankees have revolutionized kind of how the league is doing that. Yeah, very solid. And maybe the ninth inning is, is figured out for now. So we'll see what Cora does with the, the seventh and eighth innings and how he rotates guys in and out of those. And the bullpen is hasn't looked terrible. We'll, we'll get to a guy shortly, but... Um, Hasn't looked terrible, but I feel like they've gotten away with some stuff as well. You know, Darwin's in with his walk still, and Ottavino's had some some shaky moments, but gotten out of them. So hopefully they can just kind of rein it in a little bit more, and we could have one of the best bullpens in baseball, I feel like. So uh, getting into the duds segment now, which... uh, Little little tricky this this series because like I said we we got a sweep but but we we got some stuff we could talk about so go ahead Andrew who is your dud for the series you got a you got a real dud actually <laughs> I mean I kind of feel like a dick but I, I went with Josh Taylor he does not seem like he's having a good time out there he fired something towards uh, the dugout I don't know if you guys caught this at the end of the game when Plucku was giving a hug he I think he fired the ball. And I was like, what the hell? It kind of he just absolutely heaved it at someone or something. Uh yeah, he he's he's feeling the pressure. He's the only one that got hit hard today, let up two hits. Uh he was not the YouTube player of the game. He didn't get that gaudy trophy. Uh I don't know. It could have been worse. He ate the final two innings, which was great because we couldn't really afford to use any bullets that we had left out in the bullpen for anyone that we need going up next couple games but yeah he's a mop-up guy at this point for me which sucks because uh he's one of our two lefties and we need lefties so hopefully he can figure it out if not i'm absolutely sounding the bizarro uh siren and he can come galloping in from worcester and take his position oh i think andrew kind of hit the nail on the head there terry there's not much else to say except that this is not the Josh Taylor that we thought we were going to see. Uh, he's lost control of all of his pitches. His confidence is very clearly not there. Um, and he went from being a guy that two years ago was like, oh, this guy's in the pipeline to be your eighth inning guy, you know, the next Zach Britton, to this guy can't pitch. And, you know, unfortunately, I don't think Darwinson Hernandez had a great series. Um, he hasn't looked good so far. So we're really hurting for lefty arms in the bullpen. Um right now that's my main concern for this team so far is not the offense um and it's definitely not the starting pitching it's lefties in the bullpen yeah he was a dud in the last show on sunday i think uh charlie had him and i pointed out that in two of his first three starts last season he didn't look good but then he settled in after that 
And then I think the season before, which was his first season in the majors, 2019, three out of his first five appearances, he gave up runs, one of which was a four spot. And and then he settled in. So I'm just kind of hoping he just kind of figures it out similarly to how he did those previous years and will be at least serviceable. But but like I also said last show, I thought Marcus Walden was going to evolve into this very serviceable arm. Wrong on that one. And, and Colton Brewer, I thought, would be better than, than he was. So... So it is concerning, and you just kind of wonder if if maybe Bloom's got his eye around the league to, you know, see if maybe. Yeah, I wonder if um, Stephen Gonsalves from Worcester might eventually take his spot. He's another guy that might be able to give you more than one inning. He was a former well-regarded prospect, obviously fizzled out a little bit bit of a reclamation project, but he's a lefty, one of the only lefties that they have that they could call up when they need him. So hopefully we get to see him coming up instead of Josh Taylor if it's not a 10-run ball game like it was today. Yeah, he came from Oakland, wasn't it? Yeah, he bounced around. I, to, I know he oh, okay. was he with the Mets, and then he went to the like oh, okay. Oakland or Minnesota. It oh. might have been Minnesota. Oh, was it? Okay. Thought we yeah, I don't know. He fizzled. Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Job, your uh, dud for the series. Uh, I think my dud for the series is the same that everyone is kind of wondering where he is so far as Kike Hernandez. I know he was a dud on the last show as well um, of Jason's. So I don't want to dig too deeply into that, except to say that his bat is still MIA. His first game of the series, he went one for five. He went over three as a pinch hitter in the second game. And there were two strikeouts there uh, deep in the game where I thought, oh, this is where he's going to break out of it. This is where we're going to get that super clutch gene that everyone keeps telling us about Kike Hernandez from his Dodgers days. But we didn't see it. Then again today, he went two for five um, with only one strikeout. So hopefully those numbers climb up a little bit. His defense has been much better than it was in the first three games. But he's my dumb because he can't pay like that if we expect him to hit at the top of the lineup. Yeah, I feel bad for him because you know what's getting to him. I, there was one K today where fired his helmet, fired the bat, fired the batting gloves. Um, he he put so much pressure on himself to be that uh, leadoff guy. He was saying he had been watching John Means tape for three weeks at that point. He wanted to be the table setter for this 2021 Red Sox team. And it hasn't gone as he or anyone else has wanted, but I'm not giving up on him yet. He's too good of a talent, and he's he's a great guy. So, you know, I'm going to give him as much time as he needs. I think once he gets a couple more hits, strings a few together, everything will start, uh, start falling into place for him. So hopefully after two hits today the absolutely winded bullpen for the baltimore orioles he can just start building on and get his 2021 season rolling he actually had six strikeouts in the series too so it wasn't wasn't a good series by any means and i guess my problem with him i i don't there's a place on the roster for him for sure but i don't like him in the top third of the order his career numbers Two two thirty nine batting average, three eleven on base. Nothing about that screams top of the batting order. He's a bottom third of the order. Like 
like he was in L.A. And you look at all these really good teams, you know, the the Yankees, the Jays, with good offenses, I should say, the the White Sox, the Twins, the Astros, Dodgers, Padres, Braves, Nationals, Phillies. He's not in the top third on any of those teams. So I hate to say it, but, you know, on it's it would have to be a mediocre team for him to be up there. For me to really hammer this point home, a Red Sox player that played here till recently has a nearly identical slash line. 238 average career, 319 on base percentage, a little bit better than uh, Hernandez. Uh, you know, 411 slugging and, and a 730 OPS, only four points below Kike. Jackie Bradley Is he Jr. An infielder? No, Jackie oh, Bradley Jr. Yeah. And Jackie Bradley Tough. Jr. would never be in the top third of our. Uh, lineup on a, on a daily basis anyway so so that that's who Kike is and unfortunately you know if you try to move him who do you put there <laughs> so I think we're I think we're we've got depth in the middle and back end of the of our lineup but not at the top end right now I'm not, I just I'm not too worried about him yet he's coming into a new town he's trying to make a good first impression I just do think he's pressing too hard but if you did want to switch some guys around you can move Vasquez from six to two potentially or move Devers to two um you move Verdugo to one you move Vasquez to five and then I don't know you move Renfro to six and then you know, musical chairs there, but I, I, I don't see this being a problem too much longer. I, he, he's a good talent and he's proved it in the past. He's proved it on big stages too, which is what matters when he comes to town. This guy has performed in the playoffs in front of 50,000 fans and he, he, he's got the track record. So well, like don't write him off yet. Like I'm saying, I, I'm not saying he doesn't have a place on the team. I just don't, I just don't like him at the, at the top of the order. You know, highly serviceable. Well, you know, great defensively. But I, I agree with you, Terry, and I hate that I'm already agreeing with you because when I put out my opening day lineup on Twitter six weeks ago, he was the guy I wanted hitting first. Um, and now, just watching him hit, I feel like maybe we should put him in like the eight slot and move everybody up, up one or, or shuffle it around a little bit, just to. Get his confidence up there. I think Andrew's right. He's pressing. He wants to make a good impression, um, and he's he is seeing a lot of pitches, which I like. But he's also going down uh, on strikes a lot. And even if he hits two thirty, if he can hit two thirty with a four hundred OPP, I'll take it at the at the leadoff position um, in front of you know Xander Bogarts or whoever ends up in the two hole. Verdugo looks like he's going to be there for a while, um, but. You need something to shake him up in his confidence, and the day off didn't really do it. The one thing I – the reason I'm not in panic mode yet for him at the top of the order is that Cora has shown us through two years of managing that guys trust him when they're not confident. They trust him. He's good at pumping players up, getting them back on track, and no one really hits these crazy slumps um, with Cora at the helm. So hopefully Cora finds a way around that. I expected to. I think another scenario could be if maybe if Cordero or Dahlbeck 
emerged more as a consistent middle of the order bat, you can kind of put them up to fifth or sixth. And then, and then like Andrew says, Devers becomes extremely viable in the two hole. I guess you would have a problem with two lefties, um, you know, Verdugo and Devers, but, but well, like, at this point, do you really, I mean, you have three righties in the lineup right now in the middle of that order with Vasquez, Xander, and JD, uh, against any given lefty. Right. So, I don't know that Cora really has an issue with that. I think mostly us as casual baseball fans have a more of an issue with that than the actual people making the lineup decisions do at this point. True. True. Um, all right. Well, we'll just, like I said, see how, see how that develops. Hopefully he just goes on a tear and, you know, we don't have to worry about it. Uh, my, my, Dud for the series, and I, I'm just going to say I don't have the strongest feelings ever, and it, it, it's hard to come up with with guys uh, for this, but um, I'm going to go with Alex Cora as my, as my dud, and the reason why is I wasn't crazy about Tanner Houck being removed in extra innings. I, I don't remember if it was the 10th or 11th inning. He, he pitched, I think, two full innings, and then other than that first hit when the run scored, um, we ended up tying it back up. But but he was settling in, and I just feel like if you're going to go to a guy like Phillips Valdez, Valdez is a wild card in a clean inning with nobody on base. And to go to him with a runner on second, I just thought, I thought Houck was settled in and he was kind of acclimated to the situation. And... He was getting optioned anyway, so I just I would have liked to have seen him for for at least one more inning. And I think had he stayed in there, we might have won an inning or two sooner. But that's my thing. And Cora also with the Taylor thing coming in after Richards with the bases loaded wasn't uh, <laughs> was a little. Um, we got hammered when that happened. So, so yeah, but anyway. In defense of Cora on that Hauk move, Hauk was only on uh, – he had pitched on the third, and yesterday was the sixth. So that would have been nothing more than a bullpen, like 30-pitch day for him. So I don't think they wanted to push him too hard in a high-leverage situation. Because uh, I, 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 at the time, I was like, oh, crap, why are we taking him out? Then I was like, oh. All right. I guess that makes some sense. They don't want to burn them too hard here if they want to have them working on a consistent basis over in Worcester. Yeah, you know, Terry, I agree with you. Um, and I said it in the chat, actually. Andrew said that exact same thing that he just said on the podcast, that I thought they should have left him in. Valdez should have been saved. And I think the only reason Cora wasn't on my list of duds is because we ended the game when we did. There was absolutely nobody left in that bullpen that we could have gone to in a high leverage situation if we had to go one more inning. Valdez was going to be the guy. Um, or I guess you could go to Whitlock, who had one good performance so far, but that would be it, right? You're not going to go to Josh Taylor, not after he uh, proverbially uh, peed the bed, right, uh, multiple times in the first series. So I didn't like the decision to take Hauk out there because you know he's going down. He knows he's going down. You think he would give it his all there for 40, 50 pitches, and instead you pulled him and went to the wild card in Valdez. Now, it worked out, so AC didn't make my list. But if you're looking for a a bad decision, 
I think Alex Cora had a couple of them. That's not my only one. Uh, the other one that I did not like was that he didn't pinch run for anybody deep, deep in the game. Uh, there in extra innings where I thought, okay, Rafael Devers is at second base to start the inning. Why don't we pinch run for him with somebody on the bench? I'm not sure who was on the bench. I wasn't paying too much attention. Um, but I would have gone with somebody a little bit faster um, to run for second base and then put Dahlbeck in uh, at third at the end of that game. I think Dahlbeck's a better defensive option than Rafael Devers. Obviously, it ended up panning out, but that just would have been how I played it. Yeah, and typically, I don't have a huge problem with with Cora's bullpen management. I mean, we dealt with John Farrell for, what, five years? Tozawa on his last legs, and you got Ziggler in the pen, who, who can pitch pretty well in a clean inning, and that was always a hard decision for Farrell, but... Um, but you know, Cora, I, I typically don't, don't have, uh, many issues with, with his bullpen management, but, but like I said, I just, and Whitlock, by the way, I think would have had to have been saved for today. If we're going that many innings, I, I think luckily Evoldi was locked in and, and went seven regardless and had a monster lead, but, but yeah, so, um, we're going to get to Hauk, uh, in a little bit. Um, I'm actually going to tie him in with the uh, when we talk about the um, Orioles matchups, but some dishonorable mentions. I mean, I'm not going to kill these guys. Arroyo two for ten and left a ton of guys on base. Let's see. Um, I didn't write down for today, but he he stranded four runners uh, in the extra innings game, and then Marwin is was only one for eight. So hopefully, hopefully his bat. I, he's typically like a two fifty guy anyway, so it's not like he's uh, you know cranking base hits left and right. But but really, other than that, I mean, everybody kind of stepped up in a situation. Devers, I mean, on paper didn't look like he had a good series, two for thirteen, but. Drove in a run in game two, which I think tied it at that moment, and then drew a walk today, which uh, led to a run scored. So hopefully he's waking up like Verdugo and and um, Dahlbeck and uh, Kike. So uh, any thoughts on any of the any of those cluster guys? Um, the defense for. Uh... Marwin was great at first. I don't know if you guys caught that last night, but he had that yeah, one play. The first yeah. base, the first base defense has been insane. Dahlbeck has probably saved like five throwing errors and a couple diving plays today. I, I can't believe that he's transitioned this fast into being a plus defender at first, especially being a third baseman and pitcher by trade. So, props to him. He clearly worked his ass off, and it's showing. I and you know what? He that. did that without anybody there to teach him to play first base. There's no infield coach on the Red Sox who played the position. And it's not a normal spring training where you can bring in a guy like Euclid or, you know, name that first baseman uh, who's a veteran of the league to come in and teach him to play. They weren't allowed to do that. So he taught himself this by talking to guys, watching a lot of film, and just practicing. Uh, which is really fantastic to see that transition to a you know a big game role 
Today on the other end of it, right at the other end of the rivalry, Jay Bruce at first base looked terrible and he cost the Yankees the game with a couple of errors at first. So having yep. a good first baseman can absolutely change everything. It makes Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts' errors so far, uh, I think it cuts it in half. There's been a couple of throws where Xander hasn't looked good and where Rafael Devers has looked terrible. And Dahlbeck is making them look like serviceable options right now um, because he's saving errors. And that's what it's all about. And that diving play behind the bag today was definitely uh, to see a guy his size make that make that play was uh, really good. Uh, so let's just kind of get this out of the way because it, it has been a hot topic uh, among Red Sox fans. The extra inning rule is back, and uh, it's very polarizing. I, I I would say at least two thirds to seventy five percent of of the fan base does not like the rule. So, uh, Joe, how do you feel about it? You're on mute, bud. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, I don't like the rule early. Um, I think in the 10th inning, 11th inning, it's too early for the game to be decided by that. I saw an interesting stat today that 61% of the time that a runner's on second with nobody out, they expect a a run. Um, And the average amount of runs in an inning is 1.15. So you're really changing the game and giving the away team, I think, a, a big edge when you put that runner on second base um, early in the early in extra innings. I don't like it. I think it changes the way you manage a lot. Um, so I'm not a fan, but I could see it in like you know the 15th inning. If that game went on for another half an hour to 45 minutes uh, and there wasn't runners on, I think I would change my tune a little bit Andrew. yeah i i hate it um at least it's only the regular season i went up to grab my phone charger i came down i was like god damn it matt barnes let up a double because i totally forgot about the rule like, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah you know i get it but maybe we wait till the 12th give them two innings of regular stuff and then I understand not wanting to burn through bullpen arms and all that, especially in a 162-game season. But let me get a couple innings of normalcy before we start moving the goalposts a little bit and uh, making it a college softball feel. Yeah, it, unfortunately, I think it's here to stay. I'm not a fan of it. I, you know, I'm a purist in, in almost every sense of the word. Um, the Extra inning, uh, excuse me, the uh, double header thing doesn't bother me with the seven innings quite as much, but um, I can see how that could be really taxing on a team and and on a schedule as well. So, uh, especially, you know, where we're not completely out of the COVID situation. So, um, yeah, I just, I'm not a fan of it, but I think all these things are here to stay. That's what I hate about about Rob Manfred, they'll have something going on down in the minors, and they're like, nope, don't you worry about it. It's just in the minors. And then guess what? Four years later, <laughs> it's up. And we're going to have robot ump soon. I hate that, you know, the automated strike zone. I, I love the human element because as frustrating as controversy can be, especially if you're on the wrong side of it, it still gets people talking about the sport. If something controversial happened, 
What's interesting to me is that all these changes seem to have a universal approval rating from the players and the managers, which kind of surprises me. But I guess I understand where the managers don't want to have to go in and be like, hey, Barnes, I need to go three. And this sucks, but I need you to go three. And in the back of their mind, like, you know, if he let up a walk-off on the first pitch of the 13th, would that be the worst? right now since we have 159 games left it's it's a tough place for them to be and i don't know i will we'll definitely see with the new cba coming up what changes will happen when we should have a full clean slate of normalcy back in the game when it comes to you know health and safety you know i think andrew's 100 right managers sometimes are, are more tentative I think early in the season in extra inning games and sometimes are willing to concede a game in the 12th rather than play 15, if that makes sense. Um, To me, this adds a little bit of compete element to the regular season. So I I don't hate that part of it. I'd like to see some changes to speed up the regular season games a little bit. Um, But as long as it doesn't go into the playoffs, if this works its way into the playoffs at any point, then I'm, I think I'm out. On, on Major League Baseball, and I'm back on the fireman for train because some of the greatest stories that we have in baseball, some of the greatest performances that we've ever seen are, you know, Wakefield in in 2003, Pedro in 2003, um, Evaldi in, in that World Series year. These guys go out and pitch six, seven innings in, in relief in – extra inning games you don't need to manufacture excitement in the extra innings in in the postseason if they try to do that then i'm out you know it's funny you say that because i was just thinking last night if if the runner on second existed in the 2018 playoffs if only doesn't get that 68 million dollar deal because he doesn't get to be the hero. Exactly. The, game, the game ends way sooner. <laughs> so it might have saved us in that sense but i still i still hate it and uh, there was one other thing I should have wrote it down because I knew it would slip my mind. Um, ugh, I think I lost it. I'll, I'll mention it if it comes back. Um, getting into the uh, series preview at this point, Charlie's just blowing up the group chat right now. <laughs> I, I'm struggling to read it, keep up while I, you know. Yeah, uh, do the co- show here. college stuff, so I'm not really locked into it. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, getting into – I've got a bold prediction that I'm going to make when we uh, when we wrap this up. But um, going to be an interesting series against Baltimore. we got Rodriguez coming back tomorrow. He's going to be facing Julian Edelman's ex-girlfriend's ex-boyfriend, uh, also known as Matt Harvey. <laughs> I'm going to tweet that tomorrow, too. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about that matchup. I kind of like Rodriguez, and I think the the recency that we've seen Harvey will hopefully play in our favor now that the bats are a little bit woken up. But is is that is that a win or a loss, do you guys think? I'm hoping for a win. I think I can keep the bats uh, going here. And Baltimore just played an 11 game game today. I'm pulling up the box score right now. Um, 
They burned they all one, two, arms. three, four, five, six guys in the bullpen. So you'd have to think that they're not pitching tomorrow since there's an off day on Friday. So they're just going to go with Harvey and probably their two weakest guys and then reload from there. So I think we keep the momentum going. I think Matt Harvey had a great start. He was all of those guys had great starts. They didn't miss their spot one time. They literally did not mislocate a fastball one time against that freaking team. And I don't think I've ever seen it happen before. There's no John Means this series, which is amazing. So uh, familiarity with these guys, these bats should wake up. They're going to be pissed off. They're, they're, they're coming to rake. I think Andrew said it best. They're coming to rake. These guys feel embarrassed, I think, by the way they performed in the first three games. That's why they were showing so much compete, I think, in in that long game the other night, in game two against Tampa. And even if they can't hit Matt Harvey to the extent that, you know, they should be able to, they'll be able to get to that that weak bullpen in, in Baltimore now that all of their best pitchers played tonight against the Yankees. On top of that, I think some of these guys that the Red Sox had who were ice cold have taken a big weight off their shoulders. I'm talking specifically about Rafael Devers. I think he's going to be a key factor in tomorrow's game. Um, and also, you know, what does Eduardo Rodriguez look like? That's what I'm kind of focused on. It's not necessarily the win-loss, but what does Eduardo Rodriguez look like? And I wouldn't expect him to pitch too much. I think we're probably going to get four, maybe five innings from him and then Whitlock for a, a good stretch there. Um, and then maybe an Ottavino or Barnes close if you're close because you don't want to burn Erod early coming back from a dead arm. We yeah, could... I think Whitlock didn't pitch last night because they had this this start in mind. Absolutely had this one uh, penciled in there. Yeah, and he could have been used uh, today as well. But um, but yeah, so this would be a perfect spot for him and. The Red Sox are fortunate, though, because we only use Josh Taylor today. So, in theory, you do have some rested guys and then followed by an off day. So, the Red Sox have it made here, and the Orioles don't. And we didn't really discuss it earlier, but today's game against the Rays, they mailed it in. There was no way Yarbrough was coming out of there before, like, 90 pitches. So... So we kind of we kind of reap the benefits of that, and if we can do that again tomorrow, that would be good. And as far as Erod yep. goes, he did he did rack up six strikeouts in in both of those regular spring training games. So, um, so they said there's no restrictions on him. True, they said there's absolutely zero restrictions tomorrow. So you know this this series, if they win tomorrow, they have the same record as the Orioles. They win the next day, they pass the Orioles. The um, the Rays and the Yankees are playing each other. Toronto has a little bit easier with the Angels. Hopefully they have uh, Otani going or something. But here's a chance. You make up for that sweep right now that uh, you faced the first three games. You sweep this Baltimore team. I mean, damn. They're, they're, that's a great start right there. And it, did, did you say that we would have the same record as, as Baltimore if we – one tomorrow is that yep. is that correct? Yeah, they're they're four and two right now. We're three and three. Did they not take two out of three from the Yankees? I thought today was the rubber game. No, they only took one. Okay, 
Um, so I think this Baltimore team without means is really not threatening. So we should we should be able to take two out of three. Means pitch today pretty good against the Yankees. Held them to a uh, one run uh, over five five and two thirds, I think. Um, but if we don't take two out of three, people are going to start to whisper again because this Baltimore team is supposed to be the team everyone beats up on, and the Yankees just went beat up on them for two games and then got shut down by Means. So I. I think we should win the first two games and the third game should be you know, flip, flip a coin. It's a getaway day. Does the team show up or not? Well, Richards, I expect to win at least two games. Richards is going game two, which has me the All most right, So nervous. we should win games one and three. Yeah. We should win games one and three. So yeah. I had that wrong in my head for some reason. If you're giving Richards, Richards a win, I'm thinking. On. Yeah. If you're giving Richards a win, I'm thinking sweep. sweep. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he's going against that Bruce Zimmerman kid who I thought looked really good last series too. So it's kind of a double whammy. He kept whammy. guys on the ground. Yeah. He kept guys on the he ground. He does, but we got video now. They should be able to adjust. Like, honestly, I, I'm not joking about that. They should be able to adjust now more than they were in old series. They faced them one time. They, he got the better of them. He located every single pitch perfectly. They should be able to get to every single one of these pitchers. Hopefully. But will they get to Richards? And will Alex Cora have to have the bullpen warming up again in the first inning? If Richards gives us four innings, five innings max, that's all I care about. You bring in Andres for three, and then you only have to Ottavino then Barnes if it's a close game. That's a normal game. You know, you act like Richards and Andres are your starter for that game. There you go. You got six innings, seven innings out of your starter, and then you hit your bullpen. I, I agree with that. I think uh, Richards probably has a much shorter leash in today's game for his own confidence, more so than anything else. So I would expect if him if he gets in trouble early, I think AC will pull him. Whereas I think he left him out for one hit or too many in the last series, um, and he'll go to his long guy, who I think is Whitlock. I think Whitlock is in line to pitch tomorrow, but we have an off day. Um, and Andres, so I think he'll go to Whitlock maybe for two innings, um, and Andres for two innings if Richards gets in trouble. But I expect Richards to be better than he was. If he's worse than he was in the in his first start, then the whispers will start to come that Hauk should replace him in the rotation. I've already been screaming it from the mountaintop on Twitter, but I think <laughs> the muttering will start if he does have a worse start than he did against uh, against Baltimore the first time. And one more thing he's got going for him, it's going to be 40 degrees warmer in Baltimore on Saturday than it was at Fenway when he was pitching. So for a California West Coast kid, I think that's a big factor. I think so, too. It clearly bothered him. He was blowing into his hand the whole game. He was flexing uh, his hand for those innings. So hopefully he pitches better if he doesn't, we're in trouble. Terry, what are your thoughts on that game? Well, I'm wondering if Vasquez is going to catch him this time, if maybe they go to Plowecki instead. But it's just it was very Rick Porcello esque last time because Porcello doesn't have issues with walking people, you know, but he gets slapped, and that's exactly what happened with Richards. So um, hopefully it's better. Hopefully he just doesn't get killed. Hopefully Core doesn't bring Taylor in uh, after. I, I think we've learned that lesson. Um, but that I Zimmerman did kind of impress me. Um, so I just. I kind of hate that that he's matched up uh, against Richards again, uh, despite having seen him recently. So we'll see. But that's that's the one game I I just can't. Uh, I'm not picking the Red Sox. I, I am going two out of three. So I'm not. Uh, I'm picking the Red Sox to win the series. 
but I will say, and we'll we'll get into the the final game now with Pavetta and Lopez. Um, I, I am a little nervous about Pavetta. His stats were a little wonky. He he walked four guys. He struck out four guys. Um, he openly, repeatedly talked about in the post game that he couldn't locate his fastball, which is weird because he was locating his slider. Um, so I just. It was nice to get a win out of him, especially because it was the first win, but I'm still a little unsettled uh, on where he's at right now as far as uh, performance goes. Luckily, his opponent, Jorge Lopez, I know nothing about him, but he did get knocked around in his first start. So um, so hopefully, hopefully that's a competitive game, and hopefully Pavetta's utilizing his – you know, his pitches a little more uh, effectively. You know, my big thing with Pavetta was that the accountability factor, you know, he came out after that game, even though he didn't give up any runs uh, early in that game, he came out and said, I was not great. Here's what I didn't do well. Here's what I did do well. Uh, You mentioned it already, Terry, about locating his slider, but not his fastball. Um, but that accountability will buy us some goodwill with the Red Sox fans. So even if he doesn't perform great, I think he'll be okay long term here, because he showed me some some real guts to get out of that game when he was in the bases loaded jam there. What I didn't like from him um, was the fact that he was walking guys. Um, I'm very anti walk, as as you both know, and I feel like against this lineup, you should be able to get away with it this series. But down the line, if he walks guys against you know, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, some of these bigger lineups we're going to have to face in the NL East, you, they're going to make him pay. So you can't give free passes out like that and get away with it for too long in the AL East. I'm looking for him to eat. I, I'm thinking like five innings, 11 Ks. I, I really do. I, <laughs> I I have more faith in Pavetta. If he's locating, he's filthy. And from what I've seen in his, what, three starts so far in a Red Sox uniform, he's given up two runs total. I don't know. I think they figured something out. His velocity is two miles an hour faster than it ever had been in Philadelphia. So I think they tapped into something. And if he can tap into some uh, control, I I think it's great. Uh, They have this guy for – they manipulate the hell out of his service time. So they have him for three more years at nothing. Um, I I love it. I – I really do have more faith in Pavetta than I think most people do. I thought it'll probably bite me in the ass at one point, but thought they had him for five years, uh, including. Oh yeah, this year. five. Yeah, no, that's yeah. what. I, yeah, because they, they. Yeah, they mean they kept him down at the alt site, and that that was the whole key to it. That triggered the extra years. Yeah. Um, so do you, Terry? Do you expect good things from him in this series? I know you said that you're worried about him a little bit, but what's your overall take on him so far? He's just he's an enigma and he he was to the people of Philadelphia as well and I just feel like if we were up against a, a more rope like if that was the Yankees for instance that he was pitching against a couple nights ago he gets murdered they're just going to murder him so I just until he he gives you two three four consistent starts with at least three of his pitches being very effective, I'm I'm probably not going to be that comfortable. But in this instance, I think the matchup is favorable, and we've seen them recently. So I'm just I'm just kind of hoping for the best uh, with Pavetta. But it, here's my bold prediction: 
June 1st, one or both of Garrett Richards or Nick Pavetta won't be with the Boston Red Sox any longer. You're going to have to make room for, for Tanner Houck. And I think there's going to be a lot more propaganda in the coming days and weeks for Garrett Whitlock to be in this rotation. And and then you, you start to look at it. You've got you got Evaldi, Rodriguez, Perez. Two out of those three have pitched very well so far. And then you've got Houck and Whitlock at the bottom. That's how you win. That's how you might get into the playoffs. And I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna tolerate a guy like Richards much longer than they have to. Much like Justin Masterson, he pitched that Memorial Day game in 2013, uh, excuse me, 2015, and was DFA'd hours after pitching. So I think if this team is feeling the pressure, and I think they were, I think they were, there was a lot of hysteria after that first series, and I, and I know there's still 159 games left after it, but... I think this team desperately the the front office desperately wants to win. I think I think they need it for business. I I think one or both of these guys are are no longer with the team after and they don't have options. So that's that's what's going to ultimately force their hand. Whitlock can't start, though. I mean, this is a recovery year for him. He's only got 70 innings past double-A. He missed all last year with Tommy John. The fact that he even made the roster this year is an absolute – I mean, it speaks volumes about the kid himself. Yeah, no, exactly. But even though – the yeah, no, even though just for him to pitch well enough to earn that Rule 5, because we see Rule 5 guys get returned all the time. Um, and he didn't, especially pitchers can't really hide that much as uh, position players because you can't just have a dead spot in your in your bullpen there. Um, Whitlock has been great so far, but they can't give this guy more than like 90 innings this year whatsoever. It would just be irresponsible for his arm. I think he'll be out of the bullpen this year, and I think he starts next year. Probably down in AAA, kind of like we saw what happened with Arauz. Give him more developmental time, and really got it. They have to stretch him out, and unless you can fake an injury, and you know, then you can have him doing rehab work in the minors the rest of the year. Uh, I just I can't see a scenario where Garrett Whitlock, unless like everything goes to hell and you need a starter because like four guys catch COVID. I, I just can't see him going more than three innings at a time. I just think, no, pro- I think that's an interesting point, Andrew. Um, sorry, you were going to say, well, I just think the propaganda is going to be too strong. And if, if we're hovering around 500 and, and they want that shot in the arm and, and you know, Garrett Richards is going to go out there and keep you below 500 or, or right at 500. I just, I think they're going to, I think they're going to try to win. I mean, well, but you could I, lose I, this guy for the rest of his career. Well, if you, that, that's you know, an extreme scenario. Yeah. I mean, no, but it, it, the guy didn't throw a pitch last year and this was a recovery year. Like this would have been a rehab year again. You know, like he had, he's coming back very early. early. What yeah, was no, very early? What was Strasburg's limit? on uh, that controversial year when he didn't pitch the postseason. I think it was well over 100. 125, but he wasn't a 24-year-old either. He he had more mileage. He knew his body better and how to pitch. Uh, and he was Steven Strasburg. 
like, like you know, yeah, he he had a more he had yeah he. Get a lot more uh, clout than Garrett Whitlock. Dude. Well, r- regardless, um, if if Whitlock doesn't end up in the rotation, there's still several scenarios that one or both of those guys, at least one of those guys, are still not going to be with the team come June first. I mean, I I agree with that, um, and I think the reason for that is actually Tanner Houck. Um, the calls for him to start are, I, I mean, I've already started. You know, I, I'm yelling from the rooftops that Tanner House deserves to be in this in this rotation, but people really don't respond well in, in Boston to the kind of pandering that Richards has already started doing. I mean, we talked about it a little bit in the last show, so I won't recap everything. But that's David Price esque, and he's not David Price. David Price is a pitcher that came in here as the biggest free agent signing the Red Sox had made in, in pitching ever. Um, so people were willing to tolerate a little bit more. And even then when he went after Eck, he was gone. Uh, if this kid continue this, you know, Richards continues to complain about his treatment from the media and say, Oh, I have, you know, 30 more chances to turn it around. He doesn't turn it around in his next two or three starts. I absolutely could see that Perry, because I don't think he's good enough really, uh, to complain like that. That's not. This is not the NBA where everybody complains. This is Major League Baseball, and you fall in line, and that's it. Yeah, and I mean, I think the performance alone is going to potentially sink him. And I could be wrong. I mean, he t- he turned it around quickly in spring training and threw a couple of nice outings, but um, but it's just he he's just a complete wild card. He's 33. You're talking about the the workload for Whitlock. I mean, Whitlock. Could... I mean, Terry. I think you made the you made the deadline a little earlier, right? You said June first. Yeah, yeah. I think I... we're expecting Chris Hale to start throwing off a mound about about June first. So I could see it maybe in the end of June. He's gone because we need Chris Sale in the rotation. I think so. Yeah, I don't see any crazy shakeups till July because then you can bring up Connor Seabold too. I mean, he's gonna be. You know, nipping at the bud for a rotation spot, and they're going to give him some spot starts to see what they have there. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I, I think sales timetable is more July, also, but, um, but I just I can't see I can't see I think the pressure is mounting for this team to win, and both of these guys are extreme wild cards. We're, we're comfortable with Rodriguez. We're comfortable with Evaldi. I have durability concerns, but maybe you do get to Seabold by that point, and and that helps, and and then Sale comes back. And you're comfortable with with Job's favorite player, Martin Perez. So, (laughs) Absolutely. Perez Day is is one of my favorite days of the week. (laughs) He's accountable. He pitches well. He knows what he doesn't do well, and he he gives you five innings every single time. Dude's a horse. One or two run ball. Dude's a horse. I love it. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But I'll say I'll say two out of three. I, I can't say one out of three with all this momentum that they have. So um I kind of wish Pavetta and and Richards weren't in the same series. I feel a lot better about it at that point. But um but you went two out of three, you're above five hundred, right? You are above five hundred, that's correct. Yeah, all right. You're on track for the 82 games that we have them penciled in for. 
I got 78, but we'll see. We'll see. I This Tampa series was kind of fun, so we'll see. I, I want to be wrong worse than anybody wants me to be wrong. Trust me. <laughs> um, all right. So any final thoughts before we wrap? We kind of ran a little over. Uh, my last thought is that without means, the Orioles can't keep pace. So I'm expecting a sweep here. They wouldn't have the means yeah, to win. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm I'm leaning sweep. I think the offense gets a little bit of warmer weather. Uh, it's going to be 69 to 72 over the next four days in Baltimore, which I think is big because Minnesota will be a challenge. Uh, so I think and we'll take it from there. I'll confess right now, I totally slept on, on uh, Minnesota because they're playing extremely well. And then Rosenthal has them going to the World Series, Ken Rosenthal, in the, on the American League side, I think they're so. fantastic. I mean, their, their <laughs> offense is dynamic. But we'll, we'll talk about that on Sunday's show, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I didn't think their bullpen was good. But anyway, we got to go. We're approaching uh, an hour and 25, so... Hope you all enjoyed it. We will be back on Sunday night. Jason and Charlie will be with me. And uh, everyone have a good week.